Storm. I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. We're in Jersey in the British Channel Islands, a part of Britain that is in fact not part of the United Kingdom. More of that later. We've been staying at Longville Manor, the island's top five-star hotel, and it's a very special place indeed. It dates back to 1332 or thereabouts, when Edward III was on the British throne, the king that led England into the Hundred Years' War against France. It's been in the same family since the late 1940s. We arrived in St Helier, the island capital, in the late evening after a 45-minute flight from London and we drove straight to the hotel, which is on the outskirts of town. If you don't have a hire car, the main shops and restaurants can be reached by local bus. It stops just outside the door or you can take a rather hearty 20-minute walk or a short taxi ride. There are lots of options. The beach, Jersey has truly fabulous beaches, is just 15 minutes to walk away. Felice, what were your first impressions of Longville Manor when we first arrived? Quite small, but lots in it. I mean, it's a lovely hotel. Really is a proper five-star. There's a spa, a restaurant, very good restaurant with delicious breakfast. Sadly, time didn't permit us to eat here in the evening, but I take the word of my islander friend Roger, who tells me that it is one of his favourite restaurants on the entire island. It's a beautiful building. When we arrived, it was just sort of getting dark, and it's beautifully lit outside, and there's a circular driveway outside with grass in the middle, and this magnificent arch over the front door. It's really quite small, though, but our room was large, very well equipped. It had a sort of sitting area with television, very comfortable, armchairs. And the lovely thing was a great big bowl of fruit and lots of other goodies, a bottle of wine, all those things ready and waiting for us as a gift from the hotel. Yes, I think the first thing I noticed was how incredibly friendly the staff were. They, they showed us around the hotel, insisted on showing us where things were, even before our luggage was taken up to our room. The gardens are truly magnificent and there's a separate cottage in the grounds. It has two main bedrooms and provides peace and privacy for a family that wants to be away from the main part of the hotel, but still make use of all its facilities, including room service. There's no kitchen in the cottage. It's very comfortable. It feels like you're in a private home. We caught up with Malcolm Lewis, the present owner, who runs it with his wife Patricia. Malcolm, when your parents bought the hotel in 1948, it was a bit of a ruin, wasn't it? That's right. It was uh, 1948. It was a dream of my grandparents, who uh, they were publicans, and they had a lovely little pub in a little village called Shenston in the Midlands uh, in England. And uh, it was their dream to have a little guest house somewhere. And just a quirk of circumstances, Jersey happened to be the place they found this little guest house. And there's a long story attached to that. But they found this tumble-down old manor house that had been left in rack and ruin um, since the, the occupation. It was officers' quarters during the occupation, so it spent four, four and a half, nearly five years of its life being neglected, effectively. So when, during the war, when it was officers' accommodation, it wasn't a sort of a headquarters thing, no, it was just no. a, bill- a billeting. It was billeting, yes, that's right. And, uh, and there were stables certainly on site, and across the road there were stables as well, because the horse was obviously a big uh, mode of transport, so it was sort of conveniently positioned. I think sort of more senior officers were billeted here. They had oh. hot and cold water, gas and electricity, so all the facilities were here. They purchased in 1948 and they opened for the first time in July 1949 so we'll be celebrating 75 next 75 years next year and they opened for the first time with 12 bedrooms and one bathroom and the first staying customer were my my mother's parents my mother followed my father over to Jersey because my father was asked by his parents my grandparents to help set up the hotel he was uh, uh, he just started at university 
studying engineering, and they asked him to take a year out to help set up this business. He did that. Well, the rest is history. He never left. Yeah. So uh, he came to Jersey, and uh, he was uh, followed hop in hop suit by my mother, who we were engaged at the time. And the first staying guests were my mother's parents. So have you had many changes over the years? Well, you told me you've got more than one bathroom now. Well, we have more than one bathroom. We, we now have uh, 29 bedrooms. In fact, 30 bedrooms, if we include the two two bedrooms in, in, in this cottage. Every room is en suite. So that, that was a, a project in itself. Longwell Manor was the first hotel in 1972 to have all en suite bathrooms, which was quite something uh, in those days. 1964, it was also the very first hotel to have its own swimming pool. So the old swimming pool is still there, still same shape, size, uh, and so on. So there, there's a little bit of history attached to that as well. So we were trailblazers as a, as a business, certainly in the sort of the 60s and the 70s. My father took over from my grandparents, who retired in 1965. By then, my mother had joined the business as well. So my mother and father then had the, the challenge of deciding which direction they wanted this business to go. The choice then was either to go for, for quantity and therefore build more bedrooms and make it a sort of a really good, viable three, probably sort of four-star hotel, or to keep it at a reasonable size um, but go for luxury. They had actually just been on a holiday in the south of France and they stayed at a place called um, the Capistel in, in, on the Côte d'Azur. And that to them was sort of the guiding light in terms of where they wanted the direction of the hotel to go, which was really the luxury route. And that's the, the route that we've maintained ever since. And I think I'm right in saying you're one of only three five-star hotels in Britain that's in private hands. That's really quite a quirky thing. Yes, we are one of three. I think there are 62 five-red-star hotels throughout the United Kingdom. And as you rightly say, we're one of three that are still in private hands. In this business, this level of luxury, private ownership is, is, is quite a rare thing. And certainly now it's my wife and I who now hold the reins of the business. We hold that as a very precious thing and we, we uphold that. And the thought of outside investors and others interfering is certainly not on our agenda. Well, it, it, it means we're in complete control. We can apply the one-minute management principle. If we don't like something, we can change it immediately. If everything, actually, is personal choice as well. My wife in particular, she, she loves the interior design element of the business. So everything that you see and, and, and live and breathe, it's really us, uh, us as a family, and more recently, Patricia and myself. Are all the rooms similar, or are they different sizes and interior design? They're all, everyone is different. Uh, everyone is different in shape, size, interior design. No two rooms are alike. And I think that's the joy of, of what we've done over the years. And every time we refurbish a room, Patricia and I, we sit down, and Patricia in particular, who has the vision, she says every time that uh, a refurbished bedroom should be a bedroom that she would like to, to stay in. And, and again, that's one of our guiding lights and, and principles. And it's fun. Every time we refurbish a room, it's like refurbishing a room at home. We go into meticulous detail, and, uh, and it's just the two of us, really, and a lot of fun attached to that. Are you always in the shop, so to speak? Pretty well, yes. I should be taking a little bit of a step back. I, not so much. I've got a fabulous team. So I'm not so much on the shop floor, but I am very much immersed in the business, certainly in the strategic element and the, certainly the sales and marketing. And you're fated by travel writers everywhere for having a quite remarkable standard of service. How do you manage to achieve this? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting question. Sometimes I, I ask that question myself every time, and often I draw a blank. But actually, that's not really what, what it is. It's not a blank at all. What we've created here is it's almost a family spirit. We call ourselves the team. We call ourselves the family. And interestingly enough, since COVID hit us, you know, the staff were in, in trauma, as we all were. Our challenge at that time was to wrap them in cotton wool and look after them as best as we could, and did that, and they've stuck to us like glue. 
We haven't suffered the horrible recruitment issues that a lot of hospitality businesses throughout the UK, well, throughout the UK, throughout Europe, throughout the world, so it seems. We haven't suffered those horrible recruitment issues. And I think that's down to our um, attitude towards our, our teams. We treat them like family. We wrap them in cotton wool. We, we love them to share their ideas and vice versa. Team spirit means then a, an easier delivery of service and they enjoy it. And that's what it's all about. It's enjoying what we do. So is it mainly the staff that sets you apart from other hotels? I would say that's probably it. We stay in hotels very frequently and we stay in beautiful hotels. But a hotel is more than just the bricks and mortar. It is very much the staff. And it's when you walk across the threshold of a, of a hotel, you can immediately feel the sense of welcome or not, as the case may be. And that welcome often permeates all the way through during the stay and to the moment you leave and sometimes it could be an, a magnificent city five-star hotel and you don't get that experience. Without that experience, I think a, a hotel fails. And we're not all perfect, certainly in terms of our infrastructure as such, but we have a lovely team spirit which, which loves delivering hospitality. And we always say as a team that uh, our guiding principles is to look after our staff as well as, if not better, than our guests, which is certainly a principle that we uphold every day. Your facilities are good too. You have a restaurant and a spa? We have a very small spa. We're a small hotel. We have small facilities. We have a small, our restaurant is, it's a 45-seater restaurant. We have uh, a very small little, what we call a boutique spa. It's two treatment rooms, uh, a little quiet garden and rest area with hot tub and so on, a little gymnasium attached to it as well. So everything we do is very boutique and very small and very manageable as well. And I think in a way that's what sets us apart. We're not a monster hotel. You don't get lost. You always know where you are. Wherever you are, you encounter, again, our, our lovely team members. And the spa is no exception. And we have fabulous therapists who are very well trained and very well experienced. And we get lovely feedback. Where do your, most of your guests come from? Are they in, pretty international? Before COVID, we were quite international. But the majority of our guests have always been from the UK. Before COVID struck, we were probably about 65% UK, and the rest was a, was a mixture of French and German, Swiss, and just generally European. We were making good inroads into the American market as well. COVID struck, and uh, things went topsy-turvy, and very much it was 99% UK business that sustained us. Although last year, we did see uh, the beginning of Europeans travelling. French has been a little bit tricky because of Brexit and uh, the necessity for passports and so on. A lot of French travellers don't have passports, they only have identity cards. So that was a strategic issue which needed to be addressed by our local authorities here in Jersey. And that's something that's been addressed and will hopefully start encouraging more French visitors to come back. We're getting a lot of inquiries from French visitors, some more so than we have done in the last few years. Of course, Jersey was never a part of the EU. No. Uh, which most people don't seem to realise. Because of our relationship with the United Kingdom, we locked ourselves into a lot of the EU protocols and laws and, and, and so on. That enabled us to have a free flow of, of, of people, as was the case throughout the UK. Obviously, now with Brexit, uh, things have changed quite drastically. But as I say, we're, we're overcoming those strategic issues. When you took over the running of the hotel with your wife, do you have any brothers and sisters? Uh, I have two sisters. One sister has never been involved in the business at all. I have another sister who joined the business before I did, actually. I joined the business in 1982, and my sister joined in 1978. She actually married our general manager at that time. So she was very much immersed in the business. And then after a while, she separated from her husband, and she, she found a new life, and she decided to quit her, her involvement in the business. So Trisha and I went through a process about 15 years ago of, sort of buying her out. So, yeah, so it's just Patricia and myself now. 
And have you got children to take on the next generation? Well, who knows? We've got my big boy my, for my first marriage. We've got David. He looks after all our uh, gardens and the estate, uh, the woodland and, and pastures beyond. So he's involved very much in that side of things, although he did study hospitality at, at Bournemouth University. I think he did it because he felt there was almost an obligation because it was family and all the rest of it. He actually didn't enjoy it. He got his degree, but he decided that uh, hospitality wasn't for him. So his big love in life was horticulture. And eventually, for various reasons, um, he ended up on our doorstep. And that was 12 years ago, and uh, he's never left. And he's now fully in charge of all our gardens and our woodland beyond. And you've got quite a lot of land. We've got about 18 acres, which for Jersey is relatively large. Even so, 18 acres, it takes a lot of management. And there is a team, there's a team of three full-timers and a few part-timers that come in every so often. And with Patricia, we have two children. I have young James. He's 18. He's doing A-levels at the moment. I don't think he's got an interest in hospitality. He's, he's passionate about English and English lit- literature. So he's hopefully going to start at Bristol University in September. But my daughter, Sophie, she's soon to be 21. She's now started her second year at the Swiss Hotel School in Lausanne. Having spent her whole life turning her back on hospitality, I think something happened during COVID. Uh, she was supposed to go to Exeter University and study geography. And anyway, she was island bound because of COVID. And she worked in the hotel throughout the, what was then turned out to be a gap year. And she loved it. She said to me one day, she said, oh, I'd love to study hospitality rather than geography. And I said, well, if you're going to do that, there's only one place you can go. And that's the best. And that has to be Lausanne in Switzerland. She's now just started her second year, and uh, it's a bit like boot camp. It's tough. It's a four-year course. It's a four-year degree course. Very tough. But she survived year one, and she's now in year two and uh, doing very well and loving it. Is it in French? No, it's not. It used to be. I'm not sure when they gave the option to study in English, but there are now two parallel courses in French, Mm. one in French and one in English. She's lucky because I actually did the Ecole Atelier in Lausanne many, many years ago myself, and that was in French. Pretty tough. (laughs) But but I did it, and I I got through it. I had to do crash courses in French. Are Jersey people bilingual? No, that's really what... It's an odd thing. The history of Jersey is, is, is so peculiar. Our allegiance has always been to the crown. That goes back to William the Conqueror, 1066, and so on. Jersey is actually technically still the last remaining part of the old Duchy of Normandy. And when we toast the king now, we don't toast the king, we toast the duke, because the king, the the reigning monarch, is technically the duke of Jersey, the last remaining bastion of the old uh, Duchy of Normandy. And when the queen was alive, we used to toast her as the duke as well, because history says that a duchess was never recognised in history. So we couldn't call her a duchess, the duchess of, of Normandy. She was always referred to as the duke of Normandy. So Jersey has a lot of quirks, historical quirks. And of course, our allegiance to the UK, although we're only 13 miles from France, it's really odd that very few people are bilingual, which is strange. And in many respects, that strangeness continues and has continued throughout. I mean, our air links, for example, we have air links, most provincial and city airports throughout the UK, but very, very few air links to mainland Europe. In fact, at the moment, I think the only one is to Rennes and Amsterdam, which is just coming on dream this spring. French people come by boat. Oh, yes, ferry. yes. We have, a, we have a very frequent ferry service mm. and a very good, it's a fast ferry service. It's, it's an hour only from St. Marlowe. I think I'm right in saying that you also have your own hotel yacht. We do, yes. It's a bit of a story behind that. Patricia and I, we love boating. We decided one day to upscale the boat that we had. We thought, well, why not share it with the hotel? And hotel can help, help pay for it. And <laughs> so <laughs> I shouldn't be telling you the secret, but uh, our boating is free of charge. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> Does that mean guests can go for the day? 
Absolutely, yeah. We do day trips. The package is an eight-hour trip with a qualified skipper to drive the boat, plus a trained member of crew. Lovely food and wine. There's always a good chance of dolphin spotting. So it's, it's, it's a great day out and everybody wants to see a dolphin. Do guests have to book the whole thing or do they share with others? No, it's, we, we do it on an exclusive basis. How many guests can go on? Oh, we can take up to six. What length is the boat? She's uh, 43 foot. She's a princess 43. If they want to go to other islands, which is the nearest? Uh, the nearest would be Guernsey. And Guernsey's got great facilities for, uh, for marina facilities. So, you know, if you just turn up in Guernsey on spec, you'll always find somewhere to park. How long does it take to sail there? It takes, on a good day, about an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half. Um, quite quick. It's, it's quite quick, yeah. And then from Guernsey, we've obviously got the other smaller islands, which are really fun to, to explore as well. And that often happens. You'll do a trip to Guernsey, you'll have lunch in Guernsey, and then the skipper will take you around some of the other islands, namely Sark in particular, and Herm. And of course, other destinations, we can go south to an outcrop of islands called the Minkies. And they're midway between here and St. Malo. They're still Jersey territory, and it's the most southerly part of the British, British territory. Also, its biggest claim to fame, it's the most southerly public toilet <laughs> in Britain. <laughs> and then we can go east to a- another outcrop of rocks called the Ecrahose. The Ecrahose has a, a very big seal population uh, in particular, and uh, all sorts of uh, very rare birds and, and so on, and dolphins. Sounds like a great life, Malcolm. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure. If you want to know more about prices and information on Longville Manor, go to longvillemanor.com. That's spelt L-O-N-G-U-E-V-I-L-L-E-M-A-N-O-R. We asked a couple of friends who now live here what's so special about Jersey. Kerry Tinley runs a chalet company called Consensio, which offers high-end chalet holidays in the French and Swiss Alps. Oh, it's amazing. Um, you've got beaches um, whichever way you look. I think we have 30 bays here. Um, and it's safe. Um, the thing that we really love about it is it's safe for both myself, the boys, um, to be going out and enjoying the island. Best-selling crime writer Peter James and his wife Lara moved here from their native Sussex a few years ago. They looked at both Guernsey and neighbouring Jersey before settling for life on the latter. And We like both, but the big difference is that Guernsey is quite like Cornwall whereas Jersey is much more like Sussex. And I, I love the friendliness. The relative security here, crime is pretty low. And Lara and I are massive seafood lovers. And lobster, crab, oysters, fish, uh, it's just sensational. Please, will you be coming back to Jersey? Definitely. I'd love to come in summer and enjoy the beaches and some more walking. And I'd love to come back and go on the Longville Manor yacht. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting island. It's got a lot going for it. I really also like the beaches very much. They're absolutely amazing size. The tide comes in here very fast indeed, and therefore also goes out a long way. The island's got a fascinating history. I'd like to explore it more. And yeah, spend some time here. Maybe we come back for a holiday in the summer. Like Peter, I'm also a really big fan of seafood, so I look forward to a Jersey-style plateau de fruits de mer. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe.
just a crazy story.